welcome to our podcast with Emma and Julia, where parenting is at the heart of what we do. Rewind, reset, renew. Okay, so hi to Julie Derrick, who's our guest on our podcast this week. So, Julie Derrick, welcome, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm a parent to two daughters who have now grown up and both in university. But when my one daughter was 14, she was diagnosed with severe contamination OCD. And what followed were, well, four years of intense therapy, but even now it's a case of managing it. And it just changed our life beyond all recognition. One minute life seemed to be normal and literally within the blink of an hour, I always say, after lunch with a friend, my life just transformed to something I didn't recognise, and it was a living hell for over four to five years. Wow. Okay. So, So, I mean, I I can see, you know, as a parent, you know, I've mentioned to you with friends on LinkedIn, um, my daughter suffered with a little bit of OCD with autism and anorexia, and you've gone down the route similar to I have, is supporting and telling that story and trying to help other families, which I absolutely love because... You really do feel alone when you're going through these sorts of things. Um, so tell us a little bit about the book you wrote, uh, The Mind Monster. I can see the great illustration behind you. Would you like to tell us a little about that and how that helps? It was quite by accident, actually. I had no aspiration to ever become a children's author. And then in the early hours of one morning, literally out of nowhere, a whole story popped into my head, and that's literally how it happened. And I popped onto a Word document and I left on my computer. It was there for a few years. And then during lockdown, my husband said, I think it's time to publish your book, which is really scary because I'm a very shy, introvert person, not to put myself out there, least of all, sort of publish a book. And anyway, I decided that, yeah, I think I will do it. So I found an illustrator. I project managed it from beginning to end. I did a joint publishing deal. And basically, Hank, who's there, Mm -hmm. he represents OCD. And I came up with that name, Hank. I was going to call him Hank the Greedy Monster, but my publisher felt that hungry was a bit gentler for children rather than greedy, so I changed it to Hank the Hungry Monster. And then I depict him then as playing games, and the games then represent the obsessions, the compulsions, the disorder side of the illness. So I've got I've had rave reviews and so much support for it. So I published that coming up to year um I, I, it's the anniversary coming up actually on the fourth of November twenty twenty, and then the following year then I did a sequel which is Trixie the Treat Monster, yes. and with Trixie she takes on Hank in his new game and she represents the ERP therapy side mm-hmm. of standing up to OCD, and mm-hmm. in particular what she does is recognise the power of using distraction and rewards in trying to stand up to this hungry monster. Right, so just for people, yeah, just for people listening on the podcast, Hank is a purple, fluffy, big monster. Um, Yeah. And tell us about the other character. Trixie, well, she's like another monster. It's hard to describe her, I should have brought a copy of my book with me. Um, but she's got like this pinafore slip on and then, it's, well, she's just completely different to Hank. Yeah. Okay. And, what colour uh, is she? She is more, it's difficult to describe her. Do you want me to pop and get my book? No, it's okay. Are we, you sure? Yeah, <laughs> I should have brought it with me. I'm normally prepared. She, right. She's really quite distinctive. She's com- yeah, she's completely different. She's a very slim monster. She's more feminine-ish. 
And then she's got this um, white pinafore slip with all different spots on there. Ah. And I wanted to create a completely different Hank. And as I say, she likes playing games as well. And she also is determined and likes to win. And she wins the game by sneakily trying to intersect any of his commands coming through and replacing them with more positive ones instead. Brilliant. I love that. Yeah, really good. That is so yeah. good. It really is. So can you tell us a little bit about the three main components of OCD? Yeah, you first of all got the obsessions, which many children have obsessions. They're just intrusive or worrying thoughts. You've got the compulsion bit of the illness, which again, children with general anxiety and habit will do that as well. They'll do some form of compulsion just because it makes them feel good. It can even just be wearing a certain item of clothes that feels comforting. But it's the disorder part of the illness. And this is what I didn't know at the beginning when I was parenting OCD. That's what separates it from general anxiety or a habit. Um, I've read that it's like sort of being on a wheel going round and round and round. It doesn't release. But I tend to think of it like a washing machine where you've got a cycle that's stuck. Normally, a child that does obsessions and compulsions, they can just release the thought and carry on with their day as normal. Mm-hmm. When you've got the disorder part of the illness, the disorder part of OCD, that's when the thought becomes trapped. It goes round and round and it won't release and it results then repeated compulsions. And it's not just repeating compulsions, it can add lists to compulsions. For example, it can start as washing hands, then you can be using hand sanitizer, then it can add on sprays where you're disinfecting surfaces and it just spirals out of control. Mm, yeah, okay. So have you seen an increase in OCD? Do you, I mean, we took, we were on our last podcast talking about the pandemic. Do you think that's something that's maybe increased because of the pandemic and knowing about germs and viruses? Is that something that's spiralled or do you feel that you, you don't really know that, you know, whether it has increased or not? I don't know for certain, but what I do know is that I've got parents of younger and younger children contacting me. And they are describing symptoms to me in five and six-year-olds, which are alarming because I know they're already out of control. And parents seem to think it's post-pandemic, which isn't really surprising, is it? Because they were such abnormal times. Yeah. Yeah, I would say. And I'm speaking to other professionals and they've seen a massive increase, I think threefold, of school avoidance. And again, that can be OCD led as well. Yeah, it's those ritualistic behaviours, isn't it, that that start there and and faking the illness of not wanting to go into school and really believing that they're not well and Mm -hmm. that gets them away. And I think those are those early starts and those early signs. And, you know, it's great that you're out there and that people have someone to connect and ask you about because it's something that people don't talk about, is it? It's the same as anorexia. People don't talk about it because they don't understand it. It's a little bit of a taboo subject and... And I think we need to sort of break those barriers down massively because it's all about early intervention, isn't it? And the it is about early intervention. And it's difficult to know, isn't it, how we break the barriers down because there is still massive stigma around mental health and OCD being one of the worst ones because how do you as a parent, even as a parent, explain to another parent, well, I am being controlled and we were all being controlled by this invisible bully. What do you mean, you know, you're doing this or you won't do that or you're avoiding going there? I wouldn't do that. That's the famous line. I wouldn't do that. And my reply is you never know what you might do when you've got, because my daughter would have been the last candidate ever you would have imagined would have had any form of mental health. She was popular. She's confident. She's clever, kind. And you would never, ever have thought that she would have ever fallen prey 
to this uh, OCD. Mm. So you just never, ever know. And to say that I wouldn't do that, you, none of us would do it intentionally. Mm. When you're not educated on how to deal with this type of illness, you do what you normally do with children. You do all the wrong things, like reassure it. And, of course, it just grows then bigger and bigger. So what were the first signs for you? What did you spot first with her? It sneaked in. I, I often try and think of this as sneaked in very, very sneakily with us. The first sign I saw was when she was wearing a hoodie to bed with a hood up. Mm. But she convinced me that all her friends were doing the same thing. And, of course, when her friends were coming around for sleepovers, her friends were doing the same thing. But I now know, with hindsight, that it was OCD recruiting her friends to do that because she had somehow explained to them why it would be a cool thing to do. Mm. Another early sign I noticed was when she was going to um, lifeguards camp and she took cleaning products with her. But she told me it was for a clean freak friend, which I know a friend did like to clean. And she said, oh, she says for her, she said she wants to clean everything down because these camps can be a bit grotty. So, again, you don't question it no. because they are they are very clever in rationalising and making it seem normal. It seems reasonable. So of course, it had completely yeah. spiralled out of control with us mm. until it had got too, too bad. And then CAMS got intervened and we couldn't even go to the office in CAMS. It was so severe by that point that we had to have people to the home. She was sort of the next level down for being hospitalised. Mm. Oh, dear. So sad. So sad. But here to make a difference for everybody else as well. So what an amazing person you are, Julie. Okay. One of the things she said is, I saw on LinkedIn you'd posted sort of ways to deal with um, OCD in schools. And could you talk us through some of those examples that you gave? Yes, because... Schools obviously don't do it intentionally because what parents and children do, we keep it private. We try to keep it secret. I go through, I've gone through an A to Z of excuses why she's turned in late or hasn't turned in because not all teachers, even when they know, will understand. So I chose a selected food to confide in. But some of the ways that teachers made it worse unintentionally for us, not just my daughter, but for us, because obviously if her anxiety rises in school, there are more compulsions to be done at home and then we get recruited into more. But some little things were things like teachers screaming because she'd left books or items in school. And I mean screaming. Again, that's not good for any child, let alone a child with OCD. If a child is doing it, especially repeatedly, there could be a telltale sign that something more is going on there. No child is deliberately leaving their school book in school. And sometimes she was even hiding them in cupboards and being screamed at. I made an example of when she was trying to discreetly walk through a classroom to take the book out of the cupboard. So mm -hmm. one thing is, if you notice a child leaving an item repeatedly in school, there could be some contamination OCD issues going on there. So mm -hmm. maybe have a quiet chat with them. The second one is to do with school attendance. Again, there's a lot of competition in schools nowadays with stats and who's got the best school attendance, even down to classes. So her school uh, to form tutor was lovely and he was in on the loop and very supportive. But sometimes he'd joke and mention my daughter's name. Oh, she's bringing our school attend uh, our class attendance down so we can't win the prize. Again, no malice in him because he was incredibly supportive. He was trying to do a tongue in cheek. But it's not tongue-in-cheek when you've got a child who just doesn't want this unwanted attention. Mm. So she there, and she's very competitive as well. So mm. she there, and she's a team player. So she felt she was leaving, letting down her teammates then. Yeah, more pressure. Um, another one then would be not to accommodate. So again, one teacher was in on the loop that she confided, and she was lovely, but she was accommodating as she'd offer her wipes. 
So sometimes it's a good thing if you know, if, if you are in on the loop and you can speak to parents, just ask them what ERP therapy you're doing so they're not accommodating it. Because mm -hmm. that can be another thing. Another one is items of school uniform missing or wrong school items of uniform. If only teachers knew how much of a battle and bribing has gone on to get that child even through the door. Because one common thing with children with OCD, they do not like standing out. That's part of the reason sometimes why they do these compulsions, not to seem different. So if you're drawing attention to wrong shoes or a wrong tie or whatever, what you're doing is making that child's anxiety rise and then the urge to do compulsions more and more. And they will just, in the end, they'll get too much and they'll just flee school. They won't even give an explanation. They'll just leave school. And then another one then is not ha having to ask permission to leave a room. My child had had to put her hand up and say, please, can I leave the room? I've had an anxiety attack. She wouldn't do it. No. So I always say there were one or two trusted teachers that she could go to, just give a buzzword, even if you just say, I've got a migraine, or can I run an errand? There are lots of discrete reasons yeah. you can give for a child just suddenly leaving. And then calm spaces she worked from, school library. She used to go to the nurse's office a lot. And also there was even a small den or cupboard under the stairs in the drama room, and they used to allow her to go there. But to me, it's better for them to go somewhere, even if it's out of the classroom and do some work and keep their school attendance higher than just flee and leave school. So they're just a few little tips based on my own experience of what could have helped us. So you did mention earlier and just now about ERP therapy. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, ERP therapy is exposure response prevention therapy. And it's basically about getting a child or an adult, for that matter, to do the opposite of what OCD wants. It's a very slow procedure, painstakingly slow. I say it took us four years because we had a massive list because it had gone so bad. But it's basically about exposing them to their fears without neutralizing them afterwards. Now, that's a very slow process because it can take different forms. I mean, it can be delaying a compulsion. It can be reducing on a compulsion. It could even be changing the hierarchy of a compulsion. For example, you've got, I won't mention it, if you can get trusted brand wipes, which are deemed to be better than, say, a supermarket one. So it might be a process where you've got to gradually reduce on the amount of wipes and then change the hierarchy of a wipes. So that's why it can take so long. Like even delaying a compulsion, I mean, just to delay a compulsion by one second, it could take one child a week to do. It could take another month. It depends how deeply ingrained it is in the child. Mm -hmm. So even just, to, and sometimes it can be a process of using all three. You can be delaying a compulsion, then moving on to reducing them, and then moving on to changing hierarchy. And that might just be for one item on the list. I mean, with my daughters, the amount of lists we had was a huge piece of cards, and it was covered the two sides of all the issues. And that were just rooms she had to tackle, not everything in the rooms. So you can see why it would take so long. And then what we would advise to do then was to offer some sort of reward for achieving it because it gives them motivation to get on board to begin with but obviously I, I do recommend going to a professional I, I give tips on how to do this but I only ever offer tips while people are waiting for professional therapy yeah. because OCD is a very complex and a very dangerous when it can lead to suicidal thoughts mm. and you also need to manage it because very often most children will need medication alongside therapy Okay. I was averse to medication. I'm one of the ones I don't even give them a paracetamol unless they're really in pain. But sometimes 
there's a means to an end and sometimes you have to resort to medication if that's going to get them better in the long run mm. so what about um an ocd meltdown what would that actually look like and how do you calm it ocd meltdowns happen in an instant and they're quite scary and you'll find the whole family tenser because this affects siblings as well because i'm only now realizing the impact on my other daughter who was only 13 at the time um, you'd watch her body tense up as well. They'll start screaming from nowhere. If you won't comply, if you want to accommodate, if you want to do a compulsion, or if a compulsion's gone wrong, they will just become hysterical. It's slightly different to a normal tantrum because some people say, oh, it's just a tantrum. No, it's not because mm -hmm. they don't choose to be this way. Again, you, the way to deal with it, I find, is to treat it separate from your child. Just remember, it's easy to take it personal and you think, why is she saying that to me? Because it gets quite hurtful and quite personal. But you've got to remember, I always think it's Hank talking, it's not her. And just try. It's not easy and sometimes it's easier than other times, but try not to react and try and distract it. Our way of distracting it, and we still do it if our anxiety is high now, we jump in the car. We used to go for a ride. I'm very fortunate. We live by a beautiful coastline. Sometimes we'd grab a takeaway coffee. We'd go for a ride on the coastline. We'd listen to our favourite song then on the way back because we knew then we were facing compulsions. But she was in a lot calmer and better space getting back home from that ride. And also it gave the rest of the family time because I'd left them in the house where mm. they could calm again. Mm. And then we could get some sort of normality. Obviously, she still had to do compulsions. And it might have been at that time. I was doing compulsions as well because, again, it wasn't just her exposure therapy. I had to do it because yeah. I had got recruited to do all these things with her. So she also had to go through the uncomfortable process of me not doing these things to accommodate it as well. But, yeah, for me, it's not taking it personally. Try and remember it's separate to them. Give it a char the character name or just call it OCD or this is OCD shouting at her. Mm -hmm. And just it can even be just changing the conversation. Just what did you hear about or just something to get it engaged, but just anything to try and distract the anxious thoughts. Yes, yeah, so or breaking the cycle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So many similarities listening to you and listening to what my daughter went through, who, you know, has autism and some traits of OCD in that ritualistic behaviours, yeah. um, which obviously led to her choosing not to eat. Um, but very much meltdowns, very much the same, hurtful comments, scream. It could be in the middle of a supermarket, wherever, if she felt you were trying to get her to put food in the trolley that she wasn't going to eat. So it's very, very similar, and it is that distraction, isn't it? And it is that. Yes. She named her anorexia Barry, the voice. Oh, right, <laughs> um, yeah. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, you know, put, we said put Barry back in his cage. You're in, you're in control of Barry. You know, we're doing this. And it's that, it's not like labeling the child is it? it's not labeling them and associating them with the issues it's separating what's going on um and i think that definitely worked for us and you know what you've done is an amazing amazing job and i think as a parent i felt i wanted to fix her yeah and the fact that i couldn't fix and in fact sometimes i think i made things worse because I would want her to eat, as you would want her to get better. So I realised I was doing things that might have triggered that. And I, I had to really look at my parenting and myself. And that's really, really hard to do when all you want to do is make your child better. 
But it's a journey that you, it could happen to any child, and that's what you were saying. You know, it, it can creep up on you. Your child was really confident. You know, you wouldn't have expected that. So I think for parents, it's knowing your child and knowing when things seem different and be curious yeah. about that. You know, yeah. what is happening there and maybe talk early on about that and being open and honest because early intervention is the key, as you've already said. There. It is. And for me, what made it worse for me is being told, I mean, as if it's not bad enough, you've got cams to your house because your child won't move from the chair, literally, won't eat or drink, won't move from the chair. And then to be told it's your fault mm. because not only did I feed it, I had no idea. It's debatable, they say. There's arguments whether it's passed through the genes or not. But I would argue 100% is passed through learned behaviour. Because mm. I don't know of a parent I've spoken to yet who hasn't got OCD traits themselves. <laughs> and when I look back now, I was recruiting my children unintentionally, of course. I'd say, well, can you go and check the straightness is switched off? Can you check I just locked the door? So from an early age, what I was doing unintentionally, I was feeding thoughts into them that if you're anxious about something, you do some sort of ritual or some sort of compulsion to ease that anxiety, to reassure yourself. And yeah. of course, I was doing all the wrong things because I was going to do it looking back now because of having OCD traits myself. I was always going to feed this monster in abundance. And of mm -hmm. course, I made it a lot, lot worse. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, we don't know the answer to everything. And as a parent, we're on the same journey, aren't we? We're only a yeah. parent once. And there's no handbook that says, right, when this happens, turn to page seven and you do this. No. You do what you can and you get through what you do with your children as they grow and develop. Um, and I think being open and reflective, and for you to say that, Julie, is that, you know, you almost fed those monsters. You know, you could be, that could really affect you as a parent. Mm. But actually what you're doing is putting that out there and saying, do you know what? I know what happened. It wasn't my fault. They were my traits. Unintentionally that affected my children. But this is what I want to do to help other people. And, and I just think that's absolutely amazing what you're doing, Julie. Um, you. So many parents don't ever reflect on how mm. they've been. You know, it's always it's my way and that's it and I'm not changing because it's I know best. But actually, you doing that, your children are in good hands and you mm. are not going to be able to help the things they get involved in and things that yeah. happen to them, but you can certainly support them on that journey and be that parent to hold the hand yeah. through it. And that's amazing. And if anything, if any of parents had taken away from this today, it is to be that reflective person and yeah. to look at things objectively. And we often use the term, no, don't be furious about the situation, be curious. curious and that is yeah. exactly what you know you, you've done and other parents need to do. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, absolutely brilliant, Julie. I love what you've done to support other people through your own learnings, I guess. Thank you. Well, so, I, I always think that I'm a big believer that things happen for a reason, particularly when you have a massive negative, and this was a huge negative in our lives. And I always like to find a positive. And as I said, if you'd known me before, I mean, we had a business, but I was always like back of the house. My husband was always the one in front of camera and things. I didn't want anything. And I just think I've developed this from somewhere because it was meant to be. Mm. And there's so many parents contact me because, as, as you said, Julie, it's a very lonely journey. It's a very isolating one. You feel alone. Yeah. You feel the only one. And I think if I can only just raise awareness that people understand they're not on their own and that I did it wrong as well, but there is a way out. I, oh, I guess what I want to bottle up is hope. Just to say, I, we were in a really desperately bad place and I can't describe how bad it was, mm. but we've come out the other side. And yeah. in some ways we're stronger and I just want to offer that hope to other parents, yeah. wherever you are now, 
please don't despair because I've been where you were, probably even worse, and we've come out the other side. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that's brilliant. Excellent. So if people want to find you on social media, where might they look? Uh, if you Google me as Julie Derrick, I'm everywhere. I'm, I'm on Instagram. I think I'm Julie Derrick uh, 21 on there. I'm on TikTok. One of my oh. videos is doing particularly well on there. I've got over 20,000 views somehow. Wow, so I was very wrong in thinking I was too old for TikTok. <laughs> I'm getting great support over there. LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn. I mean, I love LinkedIn. It's my favorite platform. I'm always on LinkedIn, as you know, Julie. Yeah. Um, where else am I? I'm on Facebook. I've got a Mind Monsters page. And I've also got a Parents and OCD group over on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and then I've got my website, which is the Mind Monsters. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and and good luck with everything you're doing and good luck to your daughter because I know with your help, she's going to make it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank no you problem. for being with us. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.